0: What is up all of you beautiful people and welcome back to the All Eyes Podcast season two episode number five Iowa State Preview Edition. My name is Robert Donaldson and you can follow me on Twitter at RobDFB and as always I'm joined by the Iowa football passing chart guru a man who without question is in the running for dad of the year my co-host Thad Nelson who you can find on Twitter at TNels20. Thad how are we doing? Doing great still uh Feeling
1: good after last week's win and uh, excited. Top 10 showdown now that we find out that Iowa State in the uh, AP or coaches poll, it's Iowa State 9, Iowa 10 in one of the polls. So, first ever, I believe, top 10 meeting between the two teams.
0: Yeah, and I'm excited. This is a massive week. Um, Maybe not as it pertains to where each of these teams end up at the end of the year, right? It doesn't affect conference standings at all. But that said, this is going to be Iowa's first true road test with a rowdy crowd and in, in over 2 years now, um college game day is going to be in Ames. Um and this happens to be an incredibly talented and highly regarded Iowa State team, quite possibly the best Iowa State team in the program's history. So, I'll th- I'll actually just kick it to you cuz I I don't really have a I guess an opinion on where to lead off with this. Um, What do you want to talk about first? Offense, defense, special teams? Well, special teams, um,
1: as we know from two years ago when Iowa (laughs) was in town, had a pretty big impact on the game. Um, And once again, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it, but once again, I do think it's a pretty fair edge to uh, the black and gold on that one. Uh, Hawkeyes have a pretty big edge, even though somebody like Caleb Shudak doesn't have a ton of... uh, experience in terms of game time for field goals and extra points he looked good in week one he's a six-year player and you know he's going to be excited for this game his dad uh was a kicker for Iowa State and he's mentioned that he got a little bit of advice from him on how to deal with this game so I just think from that special teams side of it there is a huge advantage to Iowa but I think a place we want to talk about first is uh what's this vaunted Iowa defense going to look like against this Iowa State offense that comes in with so many big names?
0: Yeah, you know, coming into this year, I had only watched Iowa State a few times live last season, and I wasn't really watching from, I guess, an evaluation kind of perspective or giving my analysis. It was almost like half watching um, because they were an exciting game that was on. You know, they were highly ranked, all that kind of thing. Um, You know, so when I went back and rewatched them, I guess just a few days ago, and over this past week, it is really interesting how many talented players that they have. And I, where the heck did these guys come from? You know what I mean? Because they're good college players. They're the best players. Are the best college players that are on their team are also guys who are going to be good in the NFL. It seems like Um, they just move that way. And you know that's not always the case where you have college productivity sort of meeting that. NFL line of actually being a, a good prospect or potentially good NFL player. I mean, Brees Hall, for example, right? He's a guy that moves like an NFL player and is skilled like an NFL player. I think he reminds me a lot of Jamal Charles in the way that he ran. Um, and, you know, he's also good enough right now in college with his skill intangibles and, and his athleticism to double as a great college football player. And I mean, there are players every year and on every team that are good, productive players who can succeed in college, but are still able to be taken advantage of week after week because they don't really fill out that extra leap in regards to whether, you know, it's athleticism or skill or maybe strength or explosiveness or whatever it may be. Um, You know, with this Iowa State team, like I said, the good college players that they have are also filling out those kinds of margins. Um, That said, Brock Purdy, I don't think is one of those guys, but I think we'll probably get into that um, some point coming up real quick.
1: Yeah, I think you hit it. There is a lot of talent on that team, both great college players, but guys that, you know, project well uh, to the NFL. And that's something that we haven't been able to say much for Iowa State in the in the past. And like you said, it starts with Brees Hall at running back um, 220 pounds, 6'1", big body uh, obviously had a huge year last year was productive um and it's not just his his ability for handoffs his run game he's very effective out of the backfield in their screen game um and is a guy just leaking out and we'll talk as you said about uh Brock Purdy more but he's a safety valve for him to just get the ball out and if Purdy's eluding the defense and he can just flip it out. It's somebody who in the open field is really difficult to bring down. And what he brings them is just a workhorse, a guy that they can go to, a guy that they can trust with the ball in his hands in the biggest moments of this game.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's extremely difficult for players who aren't quarterbacks to win the Heisman nowadays, but Brees Hall, just from a talent standpoint, comparing him to uh, Heisman runners in the past I mean, he's definitely in that category. He is one of the best running backs I think Iowa will ever face, at least in the past decade, have faced. And there's been some really quality backs, you know, including Saquon Barkley, uh, David Johnson, and, you know, the list goes on from there. So um, he is definitely a special player. He's so elusive. He's very quick. He glides. He's one of those players. That's why I compared him to Jamal Charles. He just glides um in and out with ease and he'll cover five yards in a blink. It's like, how did he do that? I thought he was kind of just like pacing himself and um trying to set up angles on the on the DBs. But no, he's he's moving.
1: Yeah, he's he's a special player for them. Um, And it's interesting. I look at their running back depth. Uh, Brees Hall obviously is going to get majority of the carries, but they've got four guys listed on their running back depth chart. Brees Hall, who there was actually a great article on The Athletic from Scott Docterman about uh, Brees Hall, Tyler Goodson, and Jareel Brock, who is their backup, how they were all being recruited by Iowa and Iowa State at the same time and had those two two teams as some of their finalists. But then the third guy behind them is a true freshman, Eli Sanders, who this uh, past summer was, a I believe, a Boise State commit, decommitted, and took visits to Iowa and Iowa State, and ended up going with the Cyclones. <laughs> so you look at their top three running backs, and it's all guys who have connections. As far as Iowa was recruiting them, whether they, you know, were the first choice or whatever um, with those. But guys, at Iowa was really interested. So some familiar names for those who might follow Iowa recruiting a little bit.
0: Where did Brees Hall come from? Because I, it's it's hard for me to believe you Know, was he a highly recruited guy? I mean, this guy is it's, his talent is so noticeable. I mean, it's hard to overlook this guy when you just watch him run on one play. How does a Georgia not pick him up? How does an Oklahoma not offer him? Or, or they just choose Iowa State for other reasons,
1: uh, out of Wichita, Kansas, and early on was not a really highly regarded player, um, but somebody that. Teams like Iowa and Iowa State kind of were in that area. Um, Iowa State had a connection there. Running back coach uh, is from Kansas City. And so he had some connections uh, to the Wichita, Kansas area and heard him. And and really, that, that helped Iowa State a lot in terms of just kind of having that local connection. But wasn't really highly regarded. And then all of a sudden toward his senior year, really broke out. And I believe teams like... Um, Michigan and some teams like that started kicking the tires a little bit. But somebody who just wanted to end up at a place that felt like home to him. You know, Iowa State and Iowa, I think, too, did a good job of recruiting him. And he just wanted to go to a place where, you know, a team that wanted him early on. Uh, but it is crazy, like you said, you you look at his size, the way he moves. Um, it's hard to imagine that he wasn't one of those guys that is was participating in a um, high school all-american game you know those big showcase games
0: yeah I mean that dude's talent is I mean he's one of the best players in college football if not the best player in college football just from the way he how talented talented he is right now and how much more room for growth that he could potentially even have given how athletic that he is um that said that's how I felt about a lot of uh these Iowa State players I, I feel like these guys just appeared out of like thin air. Cause I remember watching them two years ago and on offense and defense, they have guys that just, it's just like, wow. Okay. Um, where were you?
1: Yeah. I mean, talking about their offense and I'll get this to this later, but their roster right now reminds me so much of what we see for Iowa and, you know, kind of their best player on offense, the running back, you know, just this, crazy high-level running back that can uh, run, can catch, can do everything for them. And then in the passing game, their number one option, or maybe options, are at tight end. And Charlie Kohler, their uh, top guy, did not play in the game against UNI, but Chase Allen, who's another really good tight end guy, both of those have NFL futures, um, their top end, they're going to be looking for those guys, and they are big, 6'6", 260, 6'7", 250, So they are big and rangy targets at tight end. And then at wide receiver, it's a good mix of different size. You know, you'll see uh, their top receiver, Xavier Hutchinson, who's 6'3", but they also have uh, Milton at 5'10". And we'll see some guys like that. You see uh, Joe Skates will be out there. So they have a variety of sizes um, at receiver. So they will mix it up. Uh, they have the ability to go deep and hit you know, somebody like Hutchinson um, on a back shoulder or hit the tight ends across the middle. And that's what makes them effective. You know, they're not probably as loaded. They don't have that really super high-end wide receiver that they've had some years. You know, you think back to Lazard and Butler and a few of those sort of guys. You know, they might not have that, but they have good targets out wide. And then along the offensive line, it's a veteran group. I think there's three red shirt seniors, so fifth or sixth year guys, um, a red shirt junior as well, and a red shirt sophomore. So they've got a lot of experience, a lot of size along the offensive line. And one thing that I'm going to be really interested to see it's kind of another one of those matchups where their left tackle, Sean Foster, 6'8, 325 pounds, is a guy that has struggled against Iowa in the past. And he's really big, but he's not the most mobile guy. And I think back to last week when Indiana had a big not-that-mobile guy trying to go against Zach Van Valkenburg. And it caused some issues as far as his movement, um, especially in the run game. So I'm interested to see how that's going to play out.
0: Yeah, and you know, you, you brought up Indiana's offensive line, and we talked about it in our recap and in our previews that even though Iowa's defensive line really balled out in that game, and you know every single player that lined up in any spot was just sort of getting their way it was almost like a bad um evaluation game for that unit because of how bad Indiana's offensive line actually is um so what is your take on i guess this Iowa State offensive line as a whole
1: i think it's average you know when i look at that line i think they're they're an average group um you know 2 years ago when Iowa played Uh, the center, I'm pretty sure it was Newell at the time, was out for the game. Or maybe he stepped in, but I know they moved some pieces around and their center was out, and it caused a lot of problems for them. Um, And he's really, just like Iowa's offensive line, the center is kind of the linchpin for them. The guy that makes all their calls is their best offensive lineman. Uh, In my opinion, when I've watched him, I've been impressed with him. But it's just an average group. It's not a group that I think... Moves really well. Uh, You look in the past, there's times where where Purdy does have to scramble, um, which he's very effective at. You know, he's not one of the guys that's going to, you know, you're not worried about him breaking off huge runs, but he has great escapability, uh, gets away from tackles, and he's one of those that just, like, you're watching and it's just going to frustrate you because it looks like everybody's covered. It looks like you might get to him, and then he sneaks out and picks up six yards on a third and five. Um, but as far as the offensive line, I think it's average. So you look at Iowa's defensive line, which coming into the season, we all had question marks and they played well against Indiana. But as you said, that's not a very good Indiana offensive line. We're going to learn a lot more about Iowa's defensive line after this game.
0: You know, you, so you called them average. I'm going to actually take it a step further and say that they're just bad, um, in a vacuum. You know, I think the offense, just because of its quick timing and getting the ball out fast, masks a lot of their issues. But if you watch that Northern Iowa game last week, you know, they are, every single play, the defensive lineman across from it for most of these guys is getting the hand in their chest. They're beating them to the punch. Um, The footwork, the movement, it just feels clunky. There was several blitzes and stunts that were just Executed too easily by Northern Iowa, um, which indicates a really bad issue with just communication as a whole. Um, I did think that the center Colin Newell uh, does at least technique-wise put himself in a position to succeed, but there is definitely a talent gap or a skill gap when it comes to the engagement part of it, which obviously is a a big part. But you know, you can kind of almost overlook that at the center position because. A lot of times, we're going to be working in tandem and um, not having a guy barreling down right on top of you, or I guess getting after the passer right on top of you. And I also will give credit to uh, Derek Schweiger, who's listed as, their, as a right guard, but started at right tackle last week. Um, I don't know if Jake Remsberg, the guy who's listed as their starting right tackle, is... Um, I, don't, I don't know what's up with him, because he played in the game, but he wasn't starting, and... You know, Derek Schweiger, who was listed at guard, played pretty decent at right tackle. So that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. But that left side of the Iowa State offensive line, um, they they look very susceptible to Iowa um, Iowa's length. You know, we brought up how a lot of these young guys in Iowa's defensive line um, were utilizing their length against Indiana. I think this is going to be another one of those games where they're utilizing length and just sort of getting their way. I don't think... That Iowa State's offensive line is nearly as bad as Indiana's. I'll I'll make that clear, but um, I don't think they're very good.
1: (laughs) It's definitely not the strength of. It's probably actually, and I think we'd both agree, it's their greatest weakness for this team. Yeah, you know, when I look at a position group, it's definitely the biggest weakness, and it's a group that that it's going to be really interesting against Iowa's. Line because Iowa can put a lot of length and some quickness out there and I think that could cause them a lot of problems you know they're big guys but I think Iowa can move them around and as you said Iowa State's offense with their you know quick passes and their you know gives it's going to be really tough for and I think Iowa is really going to want to force Brees Hall into a lot of you know, collapse situations, things that you and I did a really good job of, of just filling up those gaps and, and keeping him in a box as much as possible.
0: Yeah. Brees Hall, you know, again, this is a group that I think sort of in a vacuum is not good at all, but sort of gets masked, um, how good they are based on how the offense is run. You know, they, there's a lot of manipulation at the line with the RPO game, uh, with play action, um, just throwbacks, getting them to the second level, sort of getting them in spaces, lead blockers on on fake bubble screens, turned on throwbacks, things like that. Um, but you mentioned on the on the recap pod for Indiana, Lucas Van Ness and sort of his length and how you said um, you kind of expect sometime down the year uh, this this season he's going to get a holding called on him uh, or not not a get holding called against him um, by the offensive line holding him because of his length. I think this could definitely be one of those games because that left side of the offensive line is very grabby. Um they didn't get called for it a lot against you and I but it was definitely clear and obvious and the way Iowa sort of runs their offense, it's going to be front and center I think.
1: Iowa State is going to have to make some decisions because after what they saw Iowa's defense do against Indiana, you know, really take away the big plays that Indiana wanted to hit and corral Indiana's running game that, especially early in the game, Indiana looked very committed to wanting to get the ball, you know, and get running and work a two-way game with their pass game and run game. And if Iowa can corral and keep uh, Hall, you know, neutralized at times and put the game on Brock Pretty's shoulders and make him make contested throws, that was the best thing Iowa did defensively was there were so many contested throws. You know, we talked about last week. They had three interceptions. They had a fourth one called back. But they defended another, I think, four or five that they batted away. Kerner batted a couple. Merriweather got one. I think Moss got his hands on two other ones. So it's an Iowa defense that is going to test Purdy in his arm strength to see if he can get the ball when it's not just a quick throw on bubbles and just quick timing stuff to the tight ends. Is he going to be able to deliver some contested balls for the Iowa state receivers and tight ends?
0: Yeah, I think that's largely what's going to come down to, obviously Brees Hall is going to get his own, at least to some extent, you know, a guy that talented, even with as a defense as good as Iowa's, um, it's a young front and Brees Hall is going to have some time and space. They're going to, they're going to manufacture that somehow. Um, you know, he's going to get his. So, Let's turn our attention to Brock Purdy a little bit. Um, We kind of already have, but I want your thoughts on him just as a player um, in college, I guess from from the perspective of college.
1: He's someone that, you know, that freshman year was put bright on the spotlight, put up huge numbers. Uh, Iowa State started winning. He was doing some really big things. But last year, and then, you know, this first game this year, he's really just you know managing the game for them in my opinion and I think he does a, an okay job of that most of the time but he's somebody who's prone to some poor decisions and he's at his best when it's just kind of flipping the ball out to a receiver hit a tight end on some sort of misdirection where you talked about they you know or they're faking a bubble and trying to hit a guy down the seam and working some of those games when and he's, he's a fine, I think he does a good job. Um, when the play breaks down, he's able to scramble. But it's not somebody who's going to be able to throw um, from the opposite hash to a sideline. Not a great arm. He can push it downfield okay, because he'll put a bunch of air under it. But it's not a strong arm. You know, we talk about, like, for college, I would say it's it's an average arm for the college game. But it's not somebody who's going to be zipping it um from an opposite hash on an out to the other side. So I think he's somebody that they want to manage the game as much as possible, scramble for a couple first downs, hit the plays that are open. And I think back to two years ago when Iowa played them, I'm pretty sure in the first half, I don't have it in front of me, but I I think he had like literally just two incompletions by halftime. Um, But as the game went on, Iowa adjusted some of their coverages, tried to shrink his windows and make him fit the ball um, into a window instead of just giving him his outlet and that's where he struggled in that game late and that's the interesting thing well i will Iowa come out right away and really test his willingness and ability to fit it into a box
0: yeah and you know um this is definitely you know in the college game completion percentage for quarterback you can almost throw it out of the window sometimes and offenses like Iowa State's are a great example of that. I mean, a lot of the times he's throwing like two yards behind the line of scrimmage, um, basically like an extended handoff. And then he's throwing screens that are even with the line of scrimmage. And they do mix in their fair amount of deep shots. But, you know, I think you I think you nailed it. You know, he doesn't have a cannon of like with crazy velocity, but it's definitely adequate Um for the college game and he's sort of like a point guard in the sense that you know he's just kind of delivering the passes you know doing the extended handoffs on on just like those swing passes out of the backfield um hitting screen routes um and really just getting the ball out fast but yeah he does have that issue with just weird bad decisions that sort of come when that easy pattern um is immediately covered or somebody jumps around on him and he sort of goes into that that panic mode, and we've seen that it, this is kind of a similar criticism um, to Spencer Petras. You know, it, out of the structure of the play design, Brock Purdy can struggle, which is kind of weird for a guy who's as good of an athlete as he is. But he just kind of has that thing where he just panics a little bit, and um, you know, the athleticism is sort of a safety valve for that lack of poise. But only to a certain extent, you know. There, there's some times where he makes some really bad decisions. I mean, what was that? What was the game where he uh, threw the ball about ten yards behind the last scrimmage while getting sacked and it got <laughs> he got pick sixed?
1: He's like literally, f- he's falling down and he threw it either almost backwards or just straight up in the air from like no man's land and. Uh, yeah, the announcers and I think every Iowa fan had a lot of fun (laughs) with that one and rightfully so it was, um, but just kind of a microcosm of some of the situations that he'll put himself in and some of the decisions he'll make, um, if things do get, you know, out of, out of sequence with their offense.
0: Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of plays that are not as, as wild as that one was, but, some plays where he gets away with sort of being very reckless and in and, and an awkward kind of style. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of him. I think that he is decent when it comes to placement downfield and he can, um, you know, he's going to make some throws in this game most likely, but I do think Iowa's secondary is good enough to really neutralize um, what they want to do at least 15 yards and more down the field.
1: Iowa State's offense kind of protects them in a lot of ways. So he had 26 pass attempts against you and I. 13 of those are off of play action. So they're using, trying to get the defense to bite up um, and try to take, you know, hit those spots either on their deep shots. When, like you said, it's a lot of short stuff or go a lot of longer passes or they're looking for the tight ends at that mid level. But he had 26 pass attempts. Um, nine of them were behind the line of scrimmage. So 26 pass attempts, nine are behind the line of scrimmage. So the, so 26 passes, 13 are scr- are play action, and eight are screens. So you really get a feel for their offense. It's heavy in the wide receiver, the running back screen game, and it's heavy in the play action. They're trying to use, as you said, some of that RPO stuff or just kind of um, get the defense moving their eyes or getting them out of position um to help kind of protect him and and not that he's a bad quarterback but it's he's very much fitting into their system into their college system as you said of uh make one read go maybe a second read you know he's not he's not reading all the different levels and making real true progressions as he goes through their offense
0: yeah you know people want to say that i was offense is boring right i mean we hear that for years but for me Watching Iowa State's offense is much, and I've watched now I think seven or eight games just in the past week, um, just to prep for, I guess, this podcast, <laughs> and just and I guess just watching Iowa State Iowa this Saturday. But I find what they do on offense to be boring. You know what I mean? It, it's just a lot of short passes. It's really quick. There's not a lot of intelligence and and forward thought and complexity to it. It's just kind of. It's face value. You know, you're getting what you get.
1: Yeah, I mean, you watch them, and it's just kind of the <clears throat> what I would call just the typical what you're seeing college offense, especially out of those Big 12 teams, is they're going to put their quarterback um, in a situation to make one or two reads, hit that first guy, um, and let those guys try to make plays, whether it's behind the line of scrimmage or their, with their screen game. Um, Or take a couple deep shots to some of their guys. But they're not going to go crazy with a lot of formational stuff. Um, They're not going to typically do a lot of um, wild things. But we do remember from a couple years ago, the only real big plays they made against Iowa were some trick plays. You know, or the wide receiver pass, um, or trying to get some things like that. So I could see them trying to go back uh, to some of those against Iowa, especially if they're struggling to sustain the drive.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you know, if you're comparing this offense to Indiana's offense, even though Indiana's offense never got off the ground in that game, they did still they were still implementing some really clever play designs. I mean some of them did work. Uh, the one to tie Freifogel that led to like 30 or 40 yards or whatever it was was a clever play design, definitely a zone burner. And then they had a couple other ones as well. Um, but what else do you want to talk about on this offense or do you think we've sort of hit on, I guess, the important bits of it?
1: I think, and this is going to be a common theme for me going down the road, offensively, you know, it's a totally different system, but in a lot of sense, it's similar to Iowa in the fact of they're going to lean on their run game. They're going to try to put their quarterback in some situations, uh, to succeed and let a few other guys get in just kind of open space. Um, and they're going to try i would imagine to utilize the tight ends and whether that's getting a one of those 6667 guys on somebody like Dane Belton or maybe they're trying to get it somebody like Seth Benson you know they they're, they're going to try to get some size matchups on the on the interior uh, against that Iowa defense but a team that's not going to wow you and it's not a team like Indiana where you're really concerned about them getting to 30 35 points
0: yeah, the principles and what they want to accomplish um, are definitely similar to Iowa, and the route they take is very widely different. Um, and I think that's probably the best way to put it. I think you you nailed it. Um, but yeah, let's t- let's talk about this Iowa State defense because for me, this is the most fun portion of their team. Um, not only because it's kind of a funky three three five, and you know we don't really see that all too often when we're evaluating the Iowa opponent, right? But this game, from just a pure fun perspective for me, is off the charts. You know, just as it pertains to Iowa's offense specifically against Iowa State's defense. And even as an Iowa fan, I'm excited to watch some of these Iowa State players play. And I'm excited to see how Iowa approaches the game on offense to sort of counter Iowa State's scheme. So what do you see out of Iowa State on defense that you want to hit on first?
1: I kind of set this up earlier. This is going to be a common theme. Once again, wildly different setup from Iowa. You know, they've kind of got that funky three-three-five look, but their principle is keep the ball in front of you. You know, it's a ton of zone with their back end guys. Uh, they want to keep the ball in front of you. They want to corral the ball as it comes in, and they're a team that's willing to put a big hit because they're in those zone. They're watching the ball so much. Now against you and I. Uh, they did struggle to tackle in the open field much more than I would have expected against you and I. Um, they did have some tackling issues, especially early in the game. You and I was able to break a couple plays uh, due to poor tackling, and I think it's a team that sometimes, with those secondary guys, sometimes they'll go for the big play instead of just getting the guy on the ground. Um, so I'm, that's one thing I want to watch with that group. But it is, as you said, it is a fun group to watch in terms of. Um, the way they do fly to the ball, the way they are trying to make plays, and they're going to make the offense earn those yards the whole way down the field. So from that standpoint, they're very similar to Iowa in keeping the ball in front. They will drop seven, eight guys, very typically, you know, and they're going to try to shrink those windows, keep the ball in front, and make force a team to throw short of the sticks, especially on third down, and then go make the tackle.
0: Yeah, and they are very similar to Iowa. You know, when Iowa in the past has played a a very good offense, and like, say, like the Saquon Barkley game, right? When he came to Kinnick, they, their whole thing was let's not have him get to the boundary. Like, let's just c- contain him to the inside half of the field the entire game. Um, and the one time he did get to the outside half, it was like a 60 yard touchdown, you know, and, and Josie Jewell barely missed a tackle because of a crazy athletic move from Saquon. But, you know, this, this, is, this is why I think it's going to be super fun. Iowa State really wants to take away the edge. And what do we know about Iowa's offense? You know, the big run with Tyler Goodson last week, um, what they've done in the past. They like to run out to that edge. They like to get outside the tackles. They like to keep pulling those guys and sort of get the lead blockers down the field. Um, Iowa State has some guys who can really set that contain well. Um, their corners, and I said it uh, when I was talking in the, the I guess, first 10 minutes of this pod, their college, they're good players, the their, <laughs> I don't know how to keep framing this, but the players that they have that are good in college are guys who will play well in the NFL. Um, they just look different, you know, the Daytron Young, for example, a corner, I mean, this guy is super quick, he's super aggressive, he has that swagger to him that all the good corners have. He can press you at the line of scrimmage. He will press you at the line of scrimmage. And he makes a lot of plays in the run game. And then, as far as their safeties are concerned, they're always bringing up guys to the line of scrimmage. They can blitz a lot. Um, and so, they really are just, like, all the way around that edge and sort of taking away the outside, which then leads you to think, all right, well, how is Iowa going to have success in this game? You know, is it going to be a lot of down-the-seam throws, working A and B gaps for the run game? Um and that would almost be conforming your offense to Iowa State's defense, in a sense.
1: As you said, they're kind of built to stop what Iowa wants to do with their run game, with that stretch play. Um, <clears throat> even with Iowa, you know, getting into some of their their wildcat or their jet motion stuff. You know, we saw uh, Tyron Tracy get the ball twice and try to get wide. And it's a defense that's really geared on the perimeter with those five defensive backs and those three safeties to be able to make plays on the edge. And their linebackers can run and make plays on the edge. You know, you're know, you going to see Jake Hummel. You're going to see Mike Rose. You're going to see those guys all over the field. Orion Vance is another one. You're going to see those guys making plays sideline to sideline. So Io, I think, is really going to try... Uh, and we saw a little bit of this in the Indiana game, is really going to try to use formation to make Iowa State adjust, uh, whether it's their call or make Iowa State adjust positioning to try to get a numbers advantage, whether it's in the run game or whether it's in the pass game. And I do think maybe Iowa has a little bit different look this year with their receivers. It's not, you know, guys like, Amir Smith Marset and Brandon Smith that are going to be kind of those bigger bodies, those maybe downfield options, and it's going to be things where you get uh, Reganey and Tyron Tracy, you know, even somebody like Charlie Jones, getting them in a little bit of space, which is where you and I hurt them a few times, getting them in that intermediate space, and if they can make a guy miss, uh, being able to operate, whereas in the past it's been so much, you know, work the sides of the field and avoid some of that middle action.
0: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how Iowa approaches running to the outside. Because you mentioned it, there's no more Brandon Smith, who was a phenomenal uh, run blocker. Um, And the guys that they're going to have were, Brandon Smith used to be slotted, Tyrone Tracy, who's like 5'11", Nico Regani, who's not a a big receiver, Uh, Keegan Johnson, potentially, who's a true freshman, Charlie Jones, who's another slender guy, so you have to wonder, maybe this is a game where Brian busts out an offense that we don't see for the rest of the season necessarily um, in certain packages, like lining Sam Laporta out at, at X or something like that, just so that he can, because he he's athletic enough that he can run those routes out there. And when they do want to run outside, he's at least going to be there as like sort of a lead blocker.
1: Yeah, Iowa can utilize him out wide. They could go two tights and put Luke Lachey right on the line of scrimmage. One thing that Iowa did um, a handful of times against Indiana is come out in a 21 package, so you have Goodson and Pottebaum in, but Pottebaum was more positioned almost like an H-back, where he was, instead of necessarily eye formation or offset eye, he was actually lined up off of the tackle and then set back a little bit, almost how an H-back or kind of one of your secondary tight ends might be positioned. So if you want to you know, change the way Iowa State is defending or getting a look pre-snap, you can come out and have a two-tight end look, yet have basically a three-receiver set with Laporta split out wide and Lachey on the line, or, you know, vice versa with Lachey's size. Or you could have, you know, Laporta out wide, give a three-receiver look and put Pottebaum kind of in that almost that tight end, that H-back role where he's able to block or even get downfield and run a route. You know, he's an athletic guy that that could run a route. He's not going to be as effective maybe as the tight end, but he's going to be able to provide you some additional blocking on the edge. He he could still run a route. So you can come out with some heavy formations, but still give them kind of a three wide split to stretch the field horizontally to create extra running lanes for Tyler Goodson.
0: Yeah, I think you nailed it. And it's going to be it, this is definitely going to be testing the creativity of Brian Ference. And just how much prep has he really done this week um, just studying Iowa State's defense? Because he hasn't played them in two years. A lot of these players on Iowa's roster haven't played um, against Iowa State in game action. Um, And now you're talking about a team in Iowa State. And I kind of want to highlight some of these guys specifically. um, Because Iowa State has a lot of talented players on this this defense. Um, You know, they have great safety play in Greg Eisworth and Ashim Young. Um, Ashim Young is sort of like their Dane Belton. You know, he's a guy that roams around the line of scrimmage, um, is not afraid to blitz out of the nickel spot. And he also is a guy who's good in coverage, but he's super uh, strong and explosive. And then you have Greg Eisworth, who I think profiles a lot like Jack Kerner in the sense that you know, he's, he's a definitely a veteran guy. He's been playing in, in college football now for four or five years. And he's not the most athletic guy, but he's always around the ball. So, Brian Ferentz, we saw the willingness to try the win routes and the deep shots last week. I think that when you look at the makeup of, makeup of this Iowa State defense, you know, they have great corners in Daytron Young and Anthony Johnson Jr., um, I don't know how you know much opportunity there is going to be against those guys down the field because they are super athletic, they're super technique driven, um, they play really well against contact. But I do think maybe soloing out Greg Eisworth when he is sort of lone in that kind of that middle area um, down the seam with a Sam Laporta or um, a Nico Organi. I think there's going to be some options there to really take a shot at him.
1: I pulled up the pass chart from. 2019 to kind of see what did iowa do uh in that game so uh, nate stanley was 22 of 36 for 201 yards no touchdowns no interceptions but of those 22 completions 16 of them were within five yards of the line of scrimmage um and only i mean a handful of those were behind but most of them were you know two to five yards in that you know they were hitting crossers or just those quick routes on the outside um And that short stuff was all wide, you know, everything outside the hashes. Uh, They did try to push it downfield four or five times as well, Um, hit a couple longer plays. There was a 27 yarder to Amir, a 28 yarder to Brandon Smith. So Iowa was able to push it downfield, but it was a lot of shorter stuff. Uh, The receiver or the running backs combined for seven targets. Um, The tight ends were used a little bit, five targets um, in that game. But, you know, regaining out of the slot led them with eight targets. So you see that short passing game, uh, working with the running backs, and then the occasional deep shot downfield is what I, how Iowa tried to attack them the last time. And I think we can see a little bit of that. But I do think the receivers and the tight ends this year offer a little more versatility than they did in 2019.
0: I agree. Um, but that said, you look at the talent that is so different and so stark in difference compared to that Iowa state team from 2019. It's, it's insane. I mean, I, I said it already once with Brees Hall and some of the guys, um, well, I guess just an overview of the roster, but these guys just sort of poofed in here out of nowhere and are legitimate NFL kind of prospects and legitimate talented guys. And it's kind of funny. Um, last year they had a player named, uh, Latrell bank, uh, Bankston, he was a defensive tackle, and I was—I watched last year's film before the Northern Iowa game, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this guy is is scary good! Like he's a crazy athlete. He gets after the passer." And then I learned that he transferred out and had all these pages of notes on him, and I'm like, "Well, that's that's just a waste." Now, apparently, he just wanted to. Uh, apparently, in this interview, he said like the three three five defense wasn't um, gonna take him to the NFL, so he transferred out to Houston. Uh, where they obviously have had Ed Oliver, and they like to pin their ears back in that 4-3. But, yeah, it, they are still loaded, even despite losing talent. So, I don't know where these guys came from, like a Mike Rose or um, Anthony Johnson Jr. or Daytron Young, um Ashim Young. And, also, let's talk about Will McDonald. This is going to be the first real test for Iowa's new tackles in this game, Because he's like essentially a designated pass rusher, um, and he's a very scary looking one. He kind of reminds me of Randy Gregory at Nebraska. This is a guy who's super quick, has super long arms, and is super fast and has incredible bend. So, you know, he usually lines up in that right DN spot. Um, That's going to be an interesting test for Nick DeYoung, and we'll see how good, I guess, of an athlete Nick DeYoung is right away.
1: You mentioned the amount of talent, and I think about the way their linebackers move, and it's not the same system, but when I watch them, uh, they remind me of a Wisconsin defense in terms of the way they move, you know, and that's kind of when when you think about this Iowa State defense, and it's a spot where maybe they've had some troubles in the past, and and where Iowa's been able to maybe take advantage in different situations but this is a really good defense you know I I don't view this as you know a big 12 defense it's a defense that plays a lot more like Wisconsin in the way they move the way the linebackers can fly around can make plays the way they have defensive backs you know they'll strip at the ball they'll go make plays they'll get really physical with you on your routes it's a defense that I'm nervous but excited to see how this Iowa offense handles it and then on top of it you throw it's the first time this Iowa offense is going into an environment like this you know Spencer Petrus has never played on the road in front of a crowd let alone what it's going to be in Ames on Saturday and even the receivers you know Tracy and Reganey have played in some big games but they've never been the prime guy on the road like this um Tyler Goodson did get some experience his freshman year, but now he's the man, you know, and how does this offensive line, how do these young tackles handle being on the road? Are they going to be able to hear the signals or are they going to be able to hear the cadence? I should say. And especially like you said, you get somebody lined to like Will McDonald lined across you. And if you can't hear the cadence and you're trying to follow him and make sure you get off on time, um, it's going to be a major challenge for this Iowa offense.
0: Yeah, I expect there is going to be a uh, play in this game where he just sort of makes uh, Nick DeYoung or whoever's at right tackle look foolish. Um, just because he's a crazy athlete, just because he has some pass rushing moves in his bag, and, you know, he's dealing with a guy in Nick DeYoung who's not as experienced. And on top of that, just as a, for the offense, Iowa offense as a whole, you know, this Iowa State defense is by far the most talented defense they've faced in two years. Um you know, last year, Northwestern was probably the toughest defense just based on talent-wise and and what they were able to do against Iowa. But this defense is not only talented, what but what they do is almost a, a, a direct hindrance, like the kryptonite of what Iowa's offense wants to do. So something is definitely going to uh, come out of this game one way or the other. Uh, either Brian is going to be just sort of treading water of this offense or Iowa State's defense is going to have the first time that they've been really exposed out there on the edge.
1: It's one where there's just so many pieces that that you need to attack when you're playing against this defense. And we mentioned in the pre, preseason uh, talk when we were just kind of lining up the season, what are we going to learn? You know, it, the other hard thing is it's a completely different defense than Iowa faced week one. And I said, after week one and two, we're going to know a lot more about this Iowa offense. And specifically, somebody like Spencer petrus Because you go against a blitz-heavy team like Indiana, where they're bringing guys from all over. You know, um, secondary is really good. And now you go against a team like Iowa State, who has same, you know, talent level at a lot of positions better at some you know maybe not quite as good at some others but a really talented defense but it's now kind of back keeping everything in front they're not a blitz heavy team you know it's a team that's going to blitz about as much as iowa maybe even less and you know there's a lot of times in a pass situation where they're going to drop eight guys and just say okay we've got eight guys covering your four good luck you know, we'll let you take an underneath route on third and eight, and we're going to make a tackle at three yards. So Iowa's going to have a major test in the fact of it is so different from what they saw week one. And to talk about Spencer Petrus for this is in week one, he looked best when he was making quick reads down the seam and a few of his quick, you know, out passes where he's getting the ball taking one look, finding, maybe moving to his second guy. Iowa really struggled against Indiana with their play-action passing game. And it's something that f- now that they're facing Iowa State, if it's a situation where Iowa's able to run the ball and trying to utilize that to maybe hit a big play, it's going to be really tough against this defense because they are quick. You can play action and the guy might have a step, but if they're dropping 7-8 in coverage, it's only going to be open for a split second and probably gonna be closed back up by the time you're turning your head around to see it again.
0: Yeah, and you know, this topic of conversation, I think, actually is a serves as a perfect segue into the question that I want to throw at you. Um, and I sort of have my opinions on it just in general, but what's your take on that fine line of conforming your offense to a defensive style of play and combating that with, you know, staying true to your offense's identity and dictating the game on that side of the ball?
1: When you're designing a game plan, you're going to have just concepts and core beliefs that you want to do. So these are the, you know, actions or route combinations. This is what we believe works well. Like these are thoughts we have. We think this is good action or or good route combination or good blocking schemes, you know, with their different numbers. So you're going to have those. The key when you face a team like this is you're going to have to fit those into their tendencies and it's not that you're trying to beat beat them on a big play here or there you're going to take what they give you but you really want to stretch the things that are going to be weak for them so like what's an area that it's going to be hard for them to cover and you can try to dictate that with your formations and your personnel so we mentioned earlier you can go a heavy personnel but still go three receivers or you know you can go 11 personnel But still, you know, maybe do tight splits and, you know, bring everybody closer to the line of scrimmage. So you're going to force the defense to uh, either force their leverage to certain places and then try to to get those um, put their defense defenders in tough positions, whether it's with their zone handoffs or whether it's in man to man where they're trying to leverage one area and that's going to give you another area. So, I think we're going to see Brian really try to force Iowa State's hand with different personnel and formational alignments.
0: Yeah, I I absolutely agree and I think this this game sort of comes down to Spencer Petrus in a lot of different ways because, you know, when in a base 335, you know, let's just assume that they're not lining Will McDonald up as that designated pass rusher spot and they're just kind of doing a stacked look. Um which is like basically a true 3-3-5 with five defensive backs away from the line of scrimmage. You know, there's not going to be a lot of pass rushing there, right? You know, there's not going to be a lot of pass rushing generated from the defensive line, which then lends it into the hands of what we've had a criticism on Spencer Petras in the past of once the play, he's gone through all his progressions and the play is out of structure, he panics a little bit. Um, He's going to have good protection in this game as a passer, I think, and... It's just what he does with it. Does he is he gonna make the right decisions on throws? Is he gonna be calm and relaxed and reset the pocket? You know, once he gets fleshed out of it, because there's gonna be times in this game where yeah, his one, his first progression, his second progression, and his third progression are gonna be taken away, and then he's gonna be forced to sort of just kind of um, improvise on the fly.
1: And players are just gonna have to help him out. I was gonna have to use some of the receiver screen game some of the running back screen game. He's going to need those guys to help him out. He's going to need, you know, when Iowa State drops back in coverage and he has time, he's going to need to set his feet, find an outlet occasionally. And he's also going to have to r- find that line of push the ball downfield. And he's got the arm and at times shows great accuracy on some of those routes to be able to fit it into the windows that the defense is going to provide, especially if he's got, you know, 2.8 to 3 plus seconds to throw, make that defense cover for that amount of time, and then go deliver a strike.
0: Yeah, and I I think play action is gonna be super important in this game down the middle. Because, you know, in a 3-3-5, the way that Iowa State plays it and the team that they've played over the years, run fitting is not really these guys' specialty um, at the linebacker position. You know, you watch them try to run fit. It looks really sloppy. There's a lot of missteps. There's a lot of second-guessing. And I was going to have numbers every single time if they have a tight end in line. So it's just a matter of, I think, pressuring them so much with the run game and A and B gaps and running it down the middle on them and then setting that up for the play action and just having them be over-aggressive.
1: I think that's a great point in terms of, you know, it's a defense, too, that's built for the for the Big 12 of, of taking away that perimeter game. And we talked about earlier how well they do that, how well they take away that stretch game. You know, they're looking for a lot of their games during the regular season. They're looking at how do we stop that zone read, the guy getting out wide. But if you can condense it up the middle and get those linemen, you know, on their blocks and getting to the second level, you're going to give Tyler Goodson a chance to hit something in the open field. And we know if he gets a seam, he's capable of breaking a big one.
0: Yeah, and I am. like I said, I am so excited for this chess match because Iowa doesn't play teams like this on defense, um, not just from a talent perspective in recent years, but obviously the 3-3-5. And they're a well-coached team. Um, it's very clear and obvious to me that okay. I mean, this is the the most obvious point ever. Matt Campbell's a good coach, but uh, pushing that even further, he has a good NFL eye. You know, he takes guys in recruiting, and I don't really follow Iowa State's recruiting that much. I barely follow Iowa's recruiting, if I'm being honest. But the guys that he has lining up there, whether it's on offense with somebody like a Chase Allen or a Charlie Kohler, they have that NFL mold and that that sort of tweener body that's becoming super popular where. You know, he can block, but he's sort of that swing tight end and that move tight end. They have guys like Brees Hall, um, who again glides. He's like a Jamal Charles. You know, you look at the defense. They have guys that are super confident, super aggressive, great athletes, um, all up and down this on the on up and down this roster. You know, even a guy like Mike Rose, who, you know, isn't a traditional linebacker, is sort of like trying to find a way to compare him he's almost like jack campbell without the physicality element to him um he's not a great run fitter but he he's he's an athletic guy and you know he gets to the ball and knows how to read plays this team is just so loaded and they look like an nfl style team just based on the bodies and you can tell there's a clear emphasis in recruiting um to get guys like that and it's a team that look this is So I think
1: there's, what, five or six guys probably had a chance to go pursue the NFL last year and they all came back. You know, they have all their cards in this season. It's a very veteran team. They've got some nice younger pieces as well, but it's a team that's set up to have this be their year. So there's a lot of pressure on those players and this coaching staff. And let's remember, Matt Campbell has not beat Kirk Ferentz yet. There's a lot of pressure on that coaching staff and this team to make... A lot of noise and to fulfill a lot of those um, statements about what type of season they were going to have. So there is a ton of pressure on this Iowa State team to have a good showing this year, but specifically in this Cy-Hawk game.
0: Yeah. And, you know, much like Iowa, I think Iowa State has this kind of belief. How can you not when you have this much talent of running the table potentially? Um so yeah, this game doesn't really necessarily matter in terms of making a Big Twelve championship or winning your conference or whatever. But they lo- they want that undefeated record. I mean, this is a team that entered the season in the top ten, and you know a shaky week one where they snuck out a win against you and I, but their defense was very very good, and the offense I have to imagine even with a shaky offensive line, um, I think it's good enough, and the scheme is decent enough to sort of adapt to that. That they are going to be putting up some points here this season.
1: There's plenty of evidence that the players they have on offense are capable of making good plays. We saw a lot of them last year make big plays um, and be important parts of that offense. So it's one of those things where it's not you're not leaning on a bunch of young guys saying, I they've got the ability, let's see them do it. It's a team that, you know, struggled offensively against you and I. But, you know. It's one that if you're coaching, you're not so as worried about it because you've watched them do it. And then the defense was you know, outstanding for the majority of that game. Like I said, early on, some poor tackling. But even though it was a really close game, you just never felt once Iowa State took the lead in that game that they were going to give it up. And it's a defense that's going to present some challenges for this Iowa offense and an offense that's going to pressure Iowa's defense in situations.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we've talked so much about Iowa State. Obviously, it's a preview pod. But when Iowa State fans and and Iowa State's coaching staff are looking at Iowa's roster, I guarantee you they're saying a lot of the same kind of things. You know, they're highlighting, okay, this guy's very good. Jack Campbell moves. Um, Justin Jacobs, if he gets on the field, is a problem. Dane Belton is a problem. Their back end, you know, they have good corner play. Um, on their offensive line, they're probably saying that's one of the best units we'll face all year long. Uh, Tyler Goodson's a great running back behind that unit. So they are also, you know, up against a big task as well. And that's what... This is why College Game Day is there. This is why it's a top 10 uh, rated matchup on some polls. This is why the focus is going to be on Ames, Iowa um, <laughs> in September. You know, it's it's, it's going to be a fun one. I am very excited for Saturday.
1: It's just two teams that are so similar in so many different aspects. You know, if you go position group by position group, and I'm not talking like matchups, uh, offense versus defense, but you look at every position group and it's just very similar. You see the same sort of athletes at those positions. Um, you see a lot of success with, um, some of the veteran players who have been playing for a lot of t- long time—they know the system, they know what they're supposed to do. You know, somebody like you know Rose, you said at it, linebacker, it, you know, and Eisworth—it feels like those guys have been there forever. Like it, it feels like they were there before Matt Campbell showed up. So it's it's a group that. There's just so many parallels in terms of you look at the way the team is made up. You look at kind of their philosophies, even if they get out at those philosophies in different ways than Iowa does. Just two extremely similar teams, and we're going to see a fun physical game on Saturday.
0: Yeah, and... I'll I'll turn it to you, I suppose. Um I'm pulling up the college lines right now. Um just for the over-unders and you know the I think it's set at three and a half uh for Iowa State. Um I know that it opened at four and a half, but I believe it dropped down to three and a half, which indicates some money's being thrown at Iowa here. Um yep. Uh, well actually now I'm seeing on BetMGM up to four and a half again. Um, the over-under is set at 46 and a half. What are your thoughts on that spread um, and the over-under?
1: Well, prior to last week, I'm pretty sure the spread was around seven. You know, I think before both teams played last week, it was about seven. Um, and then after Iowa looked so good and Iowa State struggled against you and I, we saw it crash way down, and I think it's kind of um, balanced back out. I think we're going to see a really good game. That over-under number really surprises me. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about Iowa State's defense, and we know how good Iowa's defense is and um, the stretch that they're on uh, in terms of holding teams under 25 points. So to see a spread um, in the mid-40s is really surprising to me, and I don't see a game going that way. And we talked about last week, I thought the numbers seemed too low. And then uh, I made a joke in our Slack that when it was, you know, Iowa putting all those points, I'd kind of joke that, oh, of course, Iowa gets two defensive scores, um, gets up big, and now we're not going to hit the over. And sure enough, that's uh, what happened. So I, we said last time, if it looks a little funny, uh, it probably is. I think the the spread is is very fair. I, I think the over-under see, seems a little high. I just see this as a, a low-scoring game. I think back to... Um, 2019, I think back to kind of Iowa's games against similar defenses talent-wise, you know, the Northwesterns, the Wisconsin's, and those are games that are played in the teens a lot of times. So I see a low-scoring, tight game that's going to come down to um, maybe a big special teams play or maybe a big turnover or somebody just making a big play on their own out there.
0: You know, I agree. I, i'm I'm leaning towards the under because, as we know, we are Iowa fans. We know how this game goes. It's always a train wreck of just <laughs> poor football and weird plays and four hour rain delays or thunderstorm <laughs> delays or whatever it may be. It's always so odd. Even with the good Iowa teams, um, and I can't really say the good Iowa State teams because there hasn't been many of them uh, during this rivalry, but... Well done. <laughs> but, you know, it, it always ends up being some kind of disaster of epic proportions. Um, and, you know, it has that reputation and always lives up to it. So the under, I think, is a, a great call. 46 and a half. Oh, please. This is going to be <laughs> so low scoring. It's not even funny. Um, the spread... Four and a got to take Iowa because of that same kind of reason. This is always a disaster. It's always a train wreck. I think Iowa could definitely win this game outright. And, you know, if it's going to be low scoring, the point differential is probably also going to be pretty low. And four and a half is obviously over a field goal. So um, it could be a missed extra point kind of thing. It could be a missed two-point conversion kind of game. It's just one of those things. So that's kind of where I lean for both of those but now for the most important bit on this, give us your prediction. Thad does Iowa pull this one out on Saturday. I have been leaning. Um, I've been leaning Iowa state so
1: far this week. Um, I think this is two extremely even teams. Um, and in my opinion, probably the difference comes down to is who's playing at home this week. And I do think that home crowd, uh, probably sways it just enough to Iowa State in terms of who's going to win. As you said, I kind of like, when you look at the odds, I do like Iowa in terms of, I think it's a mostly a coin flip game. So if you're getting a coin flip game and you're getting that many points, I think odds-wise, I think Iowa's a good bet. But I just go back to, I feel like that home crowd, and we saw it in Iowa City last week, that big game, um, where these guys haven't been in an environment like that for, for a while, uh, probably is maybe the difference in the game. Maybe something goes Iowa State's way. Maybe they get some like bogus pass interference call down the sideline in front of their own bench with the crowd going nuts, like a late flag. You know, I can see something like that changing the game and giving them enough, you know, field position to kick a field goal or something like that.
0: Absolutely agree. You know, I think this game is a coin flip. And in, in a coin flip, you take the plus money, right? Plus 160 is the money line bet for Iowa. So $100 bet, $160 return if you don't did want to place that. And it is so interesting because you compare the units of these two teams, right? And the talent is, is sort of mixed up a little bit. The secondaries for both teams are very good. Um, the Iowa offensive line strongly a lot vi- wildly uh better than iowa state's offensive line unit but they're not going up against each other and you know was iowa has a young defensive line um that's sort of unproven against top talent will they take advantage of this poor iowa state unit we don't really know indiana's unit was so bad that you can't even really talk about them in the context of division one college football um so, uh, by comparison, just by comparison, Indiana, Iowa State's offensive line is going to be better than Indiana's. But I struggle to find a way that, you know, Iowa gets this done because of how Iowa State's defense is sort of geared to stop what they're trying to do. Um, and they do it really well. You know, I talked about, I asked you the question of what's the line of conforming your offense to try to uh, take advantage of or. Conforming your offense to um, the defense because the defense is just really good at what they do. And then sort of dictating um, or trying to dictate your offense because you think that you're really good at what you do. And I think Brian sort of is going to fall into that latter category. And I don't think that on the edge, Iowa has any sort of advantage in this game just based on the talent that Iowa State has out there. Um, And so I'm going to say this game probably ends, you know, 21 24 or uh 20 to 17 something like that and i'm gonna take the clones unfortunately that's kind of where i'm leaning
1: what's odd for me is i honestly feel like you know in three to four weeks you know definitely by season's end but i honestly think in three to four weeks iowa will be if they're not already will be the better team i just feel like iowa's more well-rounded especially uh because of the offensive line play but That said, they have two young tackles who uh, need time to, A, just get those reps and to mesh with the guard play. And there's been some injuries. You know, uh, Kyler Schott still out um, at right guard. And Justin Britt, I thought, played well in week one. But that said, he was the backup for a reason. You know, it's not that he's not a good player, but Kyler Schott's a really good college guard. And I think when they get him back, you know, I think by midseason, end of this season, this Iowa team is going to be better than Iowa State just because they are more well-rounded at the point of attack on offense. And I think that defensive line is going to continue to grow. We're going to see some of those guys that we mentioned, you know, Lucas Van Es, Deontay Craig, get more reps, make more big plays. But I worry at this point in the season, on the road, Um, even though Iowa might be the better team, I just have that worry that something's going to go wrong, you know, whether a call or something funky is going to happen and they're going to lose a close game because of it.
0: I, I subscribe to that line of thinking too. You know, um, when you look at Iowa, I think it might be too premature for this kind of matchup for the youth that they have. Um, you know, we talked about it. Fresh defensive line outside of Zach Van Volkenberg, who in his own right was playing two years ago in Division Two football. Um, you look at the linebacking core; you don't have a lot of tenured guys there. I mean, Jack Campbell, I think, is pretty solidified um, and experienced enough, but he hasn't played in front of a ruckus away crowd yet. Um, either has Seth Benson, either has really Dane Belton. Um, well, actually, Dane Belton a little bit, but there's also been some injuries there for him, and sometimes where he was sort of like in the backup kind of role. Now the spotlight's going to be on him. Um, it's gonna be interesting to watch, uh, and I, I, I'll say this: there's an X factor in this game for Iowa's defense, just based on watching Iowa State's offensive line, and that name is Zach Van Volkenberg. This guy could be the Chauncey Golston against Nebraska for us against Iowa State this year, um, in the sense that you know this game we talked, well, at least I've talked about it. It's gonna be a disaster. Um, it's gonna be a train wreck. It's gonna be ugly. A strip sack, you know, taken back to the house. I think could sway this game. And I think Zach Van Volkenberg can get it done against this this left tackle because put it putting it as harshly as I possibly can, he is not good. He he sucks. I think he's a he's a grabber. He has bad footwork. Um awkward posture. He gets hit in his chest before he even lands a hand on the guy across from him almost every snap. And Zach Van Volkenberg is a good pass rusher. So that's the X factor right there. I, I think Iowa's success to, um in this game. Could hinge a lot on Zach Malkenberg.
1: We think back to on the college scene this week, we saw two outstanding defenses in that Clemson-Georgia game. And what was that game swung on? An interception return for a touchdown. You know, when neither offense could get anything done, it was a defensive score. And I'm not saying these two defenses are at that level. Um, but I, I don't think either offense will look as bad as those offenses looked at times either. So I you know, I don't think, you know, you're not gonna see a Georgia defensive line out there from either team this week. But at the same time, you know, I I think something like that, you know, if Iowa can get a play, you know, another batted ball or get that strip sack on Purdy. That's that's all it might take in a game like this. It's going to come down to one possession. Like I just don't see it other than coming down to one possession.
0: I'm right there with you. Um and I and I'm so excited for this game. Uh, it, there's going to be fun players to watch on both sides of the ball. This is going to be you know it's always a disaster with Iowa and Iowa State, but this is going to be a disaster with talented players across the board. You know, there's going to be I bet, I bet in 4 years down the line um, and we look at back on this game because I think it could be that special. We're gonna look and see. Oh my gosh, there was 14 NFL guys and playing in that game on the same field that day. You know, maybe even more than that. Maybe that's a conservative number. Um, and so that just tells you all you need to know. This is gonna be fun. College game days there. Everybody, you know, if you're watching, if you're going to the game, enjoy every moment of it because you don't know how good Iowa State can. You know, if this sustained success. Um I think as long as Matt Campbell is there, it's probably going to be the case. Um he seems like he's he knows how to build a program up and he definitely has an eye for talent. But, you know, enjoy it cuz this is going to be a fun one.
1: As you said, it's just going to be fun. These are two really good teams. You know, these these rankings in my opinion of both of these teams being where they are is not a fluke. It's not something where well, everybody else is losing, so we gotta bump them up. These are two really talented and really disciplined teams, and I think we're gonna see um, just a lot of good play um, on both sides of the ball from both teams. And man, I, 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 like I said, I think it's a coin flip. Iowa definitely can win this game. Um, so we're just going to have to see who can make those couple big plays. Is there a, a random turnover that goes Iowa's way? Um, I sure hope so.
0: Yeah, and you know, an undefeated season is obviously nice, but this isn't a conference game. This has no bearing on the Big Ten Championship. It has no bearing on the Big 12 Championship. You know, the conference standings aren't affected, um, at least yet. <laughs> you never know with these conference realignments who ends up where. Uh, maybe this has a little bit more meaning down the road, but... You know, for now, uh, this is just a game that profiles is being very fun and has the national spotlight, and I think that's all you got to say about it. Um, is there anything else you want to add?
1: No, I'm I'm really excited for this game. Uh, we're doing this on on Tuesday night, and I wish it were Thursday or Friday night because having to wait for this game for the rest of the week is going to be so hard. <laughs> um, because I just. I can't wait to see these two teams um, who are going to play at a really high level face
0: each other. Absolutely agree. It's can't believe it's Sorry. It's Tuesday. Oh, there's so many days in between now and Saturday. Anyways, uh, we want to thank you all for showing love on the past podcast. It was actually our most viewed podcast quite some time, the Indiana recap. Um, And, you know, uh, we keep engaging on it. We love guys who are live people who are, uh, leaving comments or interacting on social media or on blackartgoldpants.com. We always love seeing that. Um, But that said, we will see you all in the next podcast. Take it easy.